And I was like, wait, you don't believe in this stuff? You don't even know what reincarnation is? <laughs> I'm going to have a shirt that says, science stole my religion. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you don't know reincarnation? They were like, no, explain that to us. Welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. And this is Abiel. So apparently we did this episode on what is spiral dynamics, and I know you're big time into it, and and you've brought me into it, and I really appreciate that because this is such a fascinating subject. And, you know, spiral dynamics is this value system that's been, it can be a framework for life, for organizations for countries for for anything and anyone that wants to understand what life at the 10,000 foot view looks like and make sense of you know it just brings a little sense into chaos and these value systems are like separated out into different colors and we we gave an overview of that in our previous to last episode, which is titled, What is uh, Spiral Dynamics? So we thought we'd like dive deeper into some of these colors. And I think there's more value to like in the blues and the oranges and the yellows, rather than talking about the, the red and the purple, which for our modern society, none of that stuff applies. It does, but it's not what's really at hand right now that's that's impinging. Right. I mean, like the beige, I mean, you can understand it, but it doesn't really require a deep dive, and neither does the purple. Maybe the red a little bit because it's more about like these control dynamics, like these, you know, these people that are like highly in control with their... Um, tribe or with their cult or with even their you know uh, gangs for example yeah that's that's how you would explain a red or a two-year-old a two-year-old yeah (laughs) (laughs) parents have a hard time with two-year-olds because they are in the red they're in the red yeah Yeah, because spiral dynamics they're saying that as humans we also go through all the levels we start at, at beige or zero where we're in need of a bosom or, or care to survive. And beyond that, we start creating these circles and social circles through the red uh, and clans, like two-year-olds. And then they're saying like six to eight-year-olds are, are then more like, like in the blue and vice versa. And each, each stage has its center of gravity. So a parent that is an entrepreneur that might be at an eight, the kids will evolve quickly to see the world from that perspective. So you could see how, yeah, we don't need to talk about them, but it puts everything into context because of our development and how spiral dynamics applies to that. Yeah. I mean, when we talked about what is spiral dynamics, we went into all of the we would give an overview of all the colors. Yeah. Well, all I meant to say is like, we don't need to deep dive into some of these early colors. We could, 
If you guys are out there and you want us to do a deep dive, we would happily do it. We don't think it warrants one. <laughs> Abiel's doing a whole deep dive, dive, swan dive pose. Um, it wasn't very graceful. You, you landed well. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it an eight. So what is the blue value system? What is the blue value system, right? So the blue value system has a lot of really good characteristics. It creates order, a, right, a sense of right or wrong. It also, um, it's, it's all about discipline, um, obeying, uh, doing your best, um, having, having in hierarchy. It also deals with, you know, the introduction of writing because, um, a lot of, a lot of the evolution of mankind before when there were tribes and they started creating texts, um, this allowed ideas to solidify in order for people to start gathering and using these ideas, you know, back in the day, they were produced by a deity, um, could have been God through like, you know, Yahweh or Allah or Krishna. There's, there's a lot of different deities that, that people wrote about, um, that, that gave them a state uh, of connection with oneness, but within those writings, then they started creating these these rules and regulations and the blue is the emergence of order within larger groups of, of people more so than clans. So a good way to explain it, which the way Ken Wilbert explains it is that you cannot have a paragraph without sentences and you cannot have sentences without words. So as you could see, as, as things start to evolve and create, um, more, more order and disorder, these systems start to flourish. And the blue is when humans really started to take over. You know, we got, you know, Europe um, in the Middle Ages with all these writings that start popping up. And it's one way for them to gather momentum and power. So the blue is all about group and it's all about collecting power and it's all about right and wrongs and it's all about we are the only ones that have the truth and that's a huge di distinction yeah it's it's also a, a lot about morality like feelings of conscious and feelings of guilt and feelings of justice and discipline and self-control um you know i i think it there's a lot to do with a time in our world where we were kind of feeling like, oh, there's, we were evolving as a race. And so to control the populace, they had to put all of these, you know, checks and balances. And I think maybe these checks and balances went a little too far because it's it's all about these are the the laws the rules the tenets the principles that you should live by and if you don't live by those things then 
you are considered a bad actor within that society, within that country. I mean, there are so many examples of this, right? There's Islam, there's Hinduism, there's uh, even, you know, the the Zen Buddhist philosophy where, you know, it's like if if you're a Zen Buddhist monk, you're supposed to give up all of these things and live a certain way. And if you even deviate a little bit from their norms, then you're not considered as one of them. Yeah, big time. Same with, with uh, Christianism, um, Catholicism, and Protestants, and the whole branch of them. They're, it's, they view the world as, as this is the only way that you can reach salvation. Um, I just remember growing up as a Christian, I was just a small aspect of Christian, but it, it always amazed me how many different types of Christian religions there were and how each one of them were the only ones that had the truth. I'm like, that's crazy. How, how can it be? So it, it was, it was always pretty fascinating to me that within so many different religions, how lucky was I to, to have the truth I found that always to be baffling, but I started writing about the blue and and the doctrines. And a lot of the times it's, it's almost impossible for the individual to realize they're in that type of ethnocentric group, because perhaps you were not the first one in your family to be converted. Perhaps, you know, you're, grandparents and your great-grandparents were part of this religion and within that circle that has been the truth all your life and if you if you talk about it as it's something different than their views they almost find it disrespectful like there's a lot of resistance if you're if you grow up in a household where this is my way of viewing the world you talking outside of it it's almost it's blasphemy it's 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 that type of language is not accepted it's it's that we versus them kind of thinking like we are like this and they are like that and it always creates separation when you start talking like that and whether it's in a family whether in it's like a small community it's in a small cultural group and i feel like i mean i'm going to use an extreme example but when, when you side with certain, uh, and I know this doesn't quite go into the blue, but, you know, like the whole taking sides with uh, a particular sports team and you're so dogmatic about like my sports team versus their sports team and like they suck and they can't do anything better and whatnot. I mean, that's just a silly little example, but that's what gives rise to this kind of blue value system where it's basically us and this is what we represent and that's them and that's what they represent and our thinking does not align with their thinking and we to go as far as like we're enemies you know i mean i grew up in india and the hindu muslim divide that's been exploited 
by politicians. It's exploited by the media. It's exploited by the the international community because they see that that divide, that rift, can create such an explosive atmosphere that it's it's been used in a very divisive way over you know a millennia. Yeah, but uh, one thing I wanted to add to clear this up is that any spiral dynamics purists out there will correct us and say sports are actually not blue, they're red. They're the clans. They're the clans that, you know, battle against one another. So a blue would a, a, a basketball team would be the perfect archetype for a red, uh, a red uh, spiral dynamics a categorization. So it's a physical battle. It's one-on-one, but we've evolved beyond killing each other, right? We would go back to the Aztecs and in the sport, there was death, but now we're at a place where, you know, it's symbolic that. Well, know, I was talking more from the, like the perspective of the fan instead of like the, the team itself, you know, like, well, it's a perfect example of red. A blue uh-huh. is more idealistic beyond those. Gotcha. It, okay. it, it, you're talking about sentences instead of uh, paragraphs. But it's so you use the sentences to compose the paragraphs, but we're we're talking about blue, so it would be a paragraph that we're talking about. Okay. Because right. within you know within each of the blue, then the, the sub is more of the red that's underneath the umbrella of the blue, which is a little bit larger. Right. So that's where the the distinction between the red and the blue come in handy because. Um, in countries where they're not as evolved, then they look at the red meme to motivate and to unite instead of a larger idea, which has been used in other governments to create systems in place for order to emerge, which is extremely fascinating. And I, I'm, I'm not personally that first within it, but I know that a spiral dynamics purist would be like, you're talking about red. I was like, yeah, 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 we know that. We know that. But when I started writing about the blue and I started talking about all the beautiful things about the blue, one thing that's very important to recognize is that blue or the blue meme is extremely important to create the fabric of a society. Because as we we discussed in the previous podcast, the blue is the, the, the collective, the the plural, and then the pendulum swings back into the individualistic, which is the orange. And then it swings back over again into the collective, which is the green, which is now we got to look after one another. Eventually, we got to look after the earth because we're part of the earth. And then I was thinking to myself, you know how they say that the red is kind of like the, the, uh, the tribes? But I was thinking to myself, the Native Americans, they had nations and they had systems in place where they lived in harmony. I'm thinking that the Native Americans, a lot of those clans were probably in high of the in a high of the uh, greens and even yellows. I believe that and, and this is I don't know if this is proven or not, but I believe that the First Nations people, a lot of them were high evolved thinkers that were up there in the yellows and 
you know, Chief Seattle says, how, how can I, you know, sell you land where we belong to the land? His views on the world were so grandeur. There was so much more than me owning a piece of land. They were, they were collective. They were expansive. So we start seeing some of the writings of the First Nation peoples. We start seeing a higher level of spirituality that, you know, unfortunately got white because of colonization back in the 16, 17, and 1800s. So when I was thinking about like religion, I think the blue is religion. I think the blue falls into other aspects, but I don't know if through religion, I don't think we have enough data to say that this is the way that humans evolve because we haven't been able to study all forms of humanity because of genocide. And this is getting a little dark, but it dawned on me that we don't got it all together. And one of the biggest faults is the same glue that puts us together. It's the same glue that binds us into a state that does not allow us to keep evolving. And here's where it comes handy. Bodhi and I were discussing earlier. If you are in a circle of, of friends and family and, and, and church members, which it's a beautiful place to be and grow up in. I personally grew up in a blue household. I loved it. I love having that structured. I love having a hope of salvation. I love being right. I love having the truth. I love my faith. I loved all of it. Like I was writing about it. It's like, man, I really enjoyed growing up as a Christian. And then you're going to ask me, so why did you leave? I think it was when I was early on in my life, anybody that's into science, anybody that looks into mathematics starts looking at problems and how to solve them. And then your curiosity spikes and you like branch off into like, hey, how, how was the sand created? How did quartz wind up in the beaches? So many of them. And then a geologist says, well, that's, that's how far a, a quartz could break down in nature. And where do they start from? You know, they, they're created, you know, under massive amounts of pressure and heat. And then through the, the plates moving, they create this under pressure that creates these volcanoes. And then the magma spews over or these rocks create. And then through weatherization of this process of, you know, the, the rain being pulled off and falling and washing down, creating these rivers and then flow into the ocean. Eventually, all these rocks start to deteriorate until they, they reach the ocean. And before you know it, you have, you have sand. And I'm like, I can't imagine that. And it's like, no, because it takes, you know, billions of years to create. And I'm like, how the heck do you know that? I much rather believe that in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And the seventh day, he rested and made it holy. That's an easier truth than having to go through all this studying and research to look at how the hell sand got there. So that's the limitations of the blues. Sometimes it's like my faith will not allow me to accept certain things that might be outside of my understanding. And then the limitations of the blue also go into, we didn't understand things. So this is the way God revealed it to me at my time, which could have happened 
you know, 2000 years ago. So it's like, at what point do you take your story and you evolve it to like into research? At, at what point do you do that? At what point do you let go of your pride and say, maybe, maybe I'm not right. You know, that's a really hard thing to do for growing up blue, especially growing up as a Christian. What if I'm not right? Because if you're not right, then you are jeopardizing your eternal life after death. That's that's heavy ships right there. Like you're playing with a heavy ass deck. Well, you have to have that heavy handed view worldview otherwise how do you put people in line it was all about putting people in line it was all about adding structure it was all about rules and basically creating order and chaos which they perceived as chaos it is it still is i know it still is but i'm saying like that's that was the genesis of it Yes. For, oh, good. Good one. I like that. <laughs> I, like, I like what you did there. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> but that was, that truly was, you know, because I, I feel like we came from being cavemen to then having, you know, agronomy, agriculture, and now we're starting to organize ourselves and we're having all of these like feudal systems and economic systems and, you know, it's like value systems. Like what do we value? We're, We're creating families, we're creating communities, but now we're starting to organize. Like how do we put so many people in line by having this one dude at top? One, one person can't compl- control a mass of yes. people unless he puts the fear of something outside or greater than themselves into those people. Yeah. And that's the other issue too. If you are being controlled because of fear of not going into Valhalla or heaven or the afterlife or whatever it is, that, then you're basically a puppet. I think You're a puppet to your ideas. You're a puppet to your thinking because you're not, you're not doing things because they're right. You're doing things because of fear that you might not make it to the afterlife. Yeah. It's called conditioning. And that's the, that's the part that keeps us in a premature state of awareness of beingness. If you you are not 100% authentic if you're doing things out of fear of getting caught and people could read right through it. And that's the issue with, with the ethnocentric thinking at times or the blue, because we need to start growing up as human beings if we're going to make true change. We can't shame people into growing up. It's just going to anger them. And I've been seeing a lot of the things happening right now through social media and people trying to create change through shaming, through fear. And it always breeds more fear-based actions, which is hatred and anger and pride. All those are fear-based. But you do you also understand that there are a lot of people that need structure, that yes. they cannot live without structure? And the perfect example of that is the Amish. The Amish, they they have the most strictest rules out there. 
I mean, I, I don't know whole details about them, but the way they live, their way of life, giving up so many modern amenities, like they have a very specific kind of lifestyle. Zen, Zen Buddhists might take a... Yeah, okay. You know, there there's a couple out there that are pretty hardcore. Sure. But the Amish, like if you were born into the Amish and then you grew up, I think when you turn 16 or 17, 18, something like that, at some age before you're becoming an or you qualified as an adult, you have a year, which is called a rumspringer. You can go out into the modern world and do whatever the hell you want. You can do drugs, you can do drinking, you can, you know, all the debauchery that you want to do, yeah, you know, you know, eat whatever you want, like just basically go wild. Yeah. And I don't have the statistics on this, but I'd, I'd heard a podcast about this a long time ago. A lot of these people go out, do a rumspringer, and a lot of them go back because they miss the structure. They miss the order. The, they miss the camaraderie of the community, which they cannot thrive or survive being in this world completely on your own trying to have your own ideas and your own values and chasing your own dreams it's not for everyone i think it's the switcheroo dude it's like a parent catching a kid smoking a cigarette and say you got to smoke the rest of the pack and then, <laughs> and then they and then they throw up because they can't handle the nicotine so like you're giving kids that have not been exposed to the world without any tools and you shove them out there and then they start binging on alcohol and drugs, of course, you're going to want to go back. I think that's the most brilliant thing that the Amish <laughs> community ever created. Seriously, like genius. But, but, but there are those that are completely against the ideals of Amish. They just stay out. Um, I don't know what happens with them. I'd, I'd love for some Amish person to just contact us and be like, you can interview us. Let's talk about this thing. Because it's a very... Amish, if you're Amish and you're, you're listening to us right now, <laughs> call us and contact us immediately. Yes, please do. Hello at theemotionalcompass.com. That's our email. And, and by the way, disclaimer, with the blue being said, there is nobody in absolute blue. This is a caricature. This is everybody has shades of different aspects. And by the way, we have over 12 different intelligences and those could be categorized in and out of this field as well. So we are such dynamic human beings that by any way or means, are we trying to categorize or group a certain group of people together? Because that would be impossible. And we well, recognize that. Well, back it up. What do you mean? 12 different intelligences? Yeah. We only test, we only test for cognitive and visual, but we have like the arts, the beauties, um, cosmetics. Oh, that way. Okay. Yeah. So it, you know, it's impossible to test for all of those, but we have a rig system that only tests for a couple of them and call you stupid if you don't want to excel in one of them. You know, and I have had a problem with that for a long time, but we can make a podcast out of that later on. Let's stick okay. to the blue. All right. Let's stick to the blue. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we're not trying to demonize the blue. Uh, a lot of, I believe the 60% of the world is still blue. Um, it's it's funny that in this country, most of the country is, you know, the, the Republicans, which are the red. Whoa, but they whoa, are the, whoa. 
But but they are the ones that are in the blue. <laughs> they are the ones that are in the blue that that prefer this, you know, structure. Don't don't wash away our values and our. Yeah, you know, don't take a knee when the anthem is playing, or you know, the whole. You don't even want to get there, but you know, the whole pro-choice <laughs> thing, and. Yeah, I mean, they're not at all, of course, liberal in their thinking, and we're not trying to demonize them. That's their view. That's how they perceive the world. That's their value system. But it's the perfect example of what a blue looks like. You know, it's like when the pandemic started, they were vehemently against wearing masks and and still are some of them, even after a year later. I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You can see the contrast between these systems, right? Because they were like, well, we aren't patriotic if we wear a mask. And then if you go into like some of the Eastern cultures like China or Japan, and they're like, we are patriotic if we wear a mask. And I, <laughs> I, I, I just thought that was like so ironic, you know, because I was just like, here's a group of people that their definition of patriotism is completely different than the definition of what being a patriot is like in this country. And uh, but obviously they both think they have the, the truth. That's the one. Thing oh, yes. They That's, both have the truth. They both have the truth. Exactly. <laughs> and and the the irony is there is no right or wrong. Right. There is no right or wrong in this case. Correct. If you feel like you're honoring your brothers and sisters or, you know, your fellow countrymen by wearing a mask, great. Good for you. And if you feel like you're still honoring them <laughs> without wearing a mask, good for you as well. There is no right or wrong. There is science, but we're not going to get into science today because we're talking about blue. <laughs> yeah, blue is against science. No, I'm just kidding. It, it doesn't. It doesn't like it. Yeah. But but there is truth to that. It it's it's not that it doesn't like it, but science does not have place in their beliefs. And their beliefs don't align with what science has to dictate. I mean, the perfect example is, of course, you know, when Galileo got uh imprisoned because he said uh, that the earth is not the center and everyone believed that the earth was the center. And this has happened historically and people keep getting demonized for speaking the truth of what science has revealed. Well, wh where does science fall into this whole spectrum? Orange? Correct. Okay. Which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Which it has its limitations as well. Well, I think all of these value systems have a limitation, right? Yeah, but we're talking more than values. It's, yeah, absolutely. But how do we keep evolving? How do you, how do you get a person that has an ethnocentric view of the world to expand beyond that? I, I could only tell you from my perspective, right? Like I got into geology and physics and science. And then I studied um, a hero of a thousand faces, which, you know, some people say is trash, others don't. I just, I was very fascinated with the hero story archetype and how it tightly matched, you know, different 
avatars through the time. And, and it, for me, it made more sense that that was within our DNA to see the world that, that specifically, but it was, it was a long journey. It wasn't overnight. And there were many nights of, of sorrow and grievance because whenever an idea dies, it's like having a close relative of yours die as well. And, and it's almost unbearable sometimes to, to face up to your ideas dying because a part of you literally is dying. Well, that's if you're really attached to your ideas. That's the only way you could have them, though, if you're ethnocentric, though. It's your identity. It's who you are. Is that it, is, it, it, the lack of attachment is now you're looking at orange in science because in science you're disproving all the time. You're okay being wrong. You're wrong most of the time, and you're constantly proving that you're wrong to find truth. Right. Science in in blue, you're right. Don't you dare disprove me. Have faith. Don't you dare go against my views. I will kill you if you go against my views. Literally, I will kill you. Yeah. But but what were you getting at by saying that, though? Saying what? That, you know, a part of you dies when your idea dies. What is it? What is death? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, are you, are you talking about, like, in the physical sense? In well, the, you know, the, in the sense of absence of what you held on dear because yes i've faced the death of a really closed one both my parents and that made me question my own existence and i had an existential crisis because of that For because sure. i was like what is this life but a temporal ephemeral existence on this rock where i'm traveling 57000 miles an hour pondering what am i doing here in the first place you're like i want to be free i want to, i don't want to be in this body anymore yeah what does free mean even i didn't know i i questioned everything yeah energy can't be created nor destroyed right true but w when you talk about attachment to ideas because i grew up also you know, it, we were indoctrinated because my, my parents believed in a guru and he had his own set of uh, philosophical beliefs, if you call them. And one of them was, of course, highly relying on reincarnation. You know, so it was like, well, you have been a plant, a tree, a dog, a snake, a bird, a butterfly and now you're finally human you have to take this incarnation seriously you have to meditate every day you have to be a vegan you don't you know you can't smoke you can't drink forget about uh you know i don't know they, they weren't really explicit about the whole sex and debauchery thing but it was kind of implied and, uh, and, and, and I grew up thinking that's the way, that's the right way. 
And if I don't do this, and if I'm not a good meditator, a good spiritual being, then I will get reincarnated as a tree next life. Or even worse, like a dung beetle or something, some, something really, you know. A bad. dung beetle has more choice and he really enjoys dung. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. But that, but, was, your, but that was your hell in your story. Right, exactly. Which yeah. is better than burning for eternity. I guess so. At least you get to be. But, 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 but my heaven was freedom, freedom from this cycle of birth and death. Yes. That was my version of heaven. And like you, when I, when I came to this country and I started studying engineering, I started questioning all of this. I was like, who's to say that this is real? Because when I started talking to other people, they didn't believe in all of these things. And I was like, wait, you don't believe in this stuff? You don't even know what reincarnation is? <laughs> I'm going to have a shirt that says science stole my religion. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you don't know reincarnation? They were like, no, explain that to us. And so I swung the other way. My pendulum swung the other way where I was like, I need proof. I'm an atheist. No, I don't believe in this. You're I'm a scientist. You're yeah. a scientist. Yeah. You were indoctrinated into orange. You became a scientist. I did. Yeah. Extremely liberal professors, probably. And then you turn into a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and that's when my death of my idea happened because I, I clung to these ideas for most of my childhood. Yeah. And so when those ideas, I had to leave them behind, there was, there was a lot of sorrow and pain that went along with that. Because if I don't believe in this, what do I believe in? Who am you, I? You mourned. You mourned your ideas. Absolutely. Because they died. Absolutely. The, the ideas themselves didn't die because they lived on with so many other people, like millions of other people still believe in all of this. But you are the creator of this world. Well, my attachment to the ideas died. Your interpretation of the world is based on your ideas and your interpretation, which are your judgments, right? Well, are they all judgments, though? I mean, reincarnation is not a judgment upon anyone. When I, mean, when I talk about a judgment, is your ability to interpret the zeros and ones. It's your, like... It's your a perception, then. Yes, that's, that's a broader... Because you need perception. That's your paragraph inside of your sentence. Because <laughs> that's how I perceive the world. That, that was it. my worldview there, you know. But your ego, like, let's talk about ego. Ego is, right, you have your persona, you have your ego, you have your shadow, your, and then you have your enema and enemas, according to, like, the Jungian way of seeing the mm -hmm. world. So... You know, yourself, your persona or your personalities is the mask you put in front of society. But your true self is aware of your ego as well. But your ego is what you identify with. And your ego's ideas, your ego will guard them like it's life dependent on it. Because it does. The ideas mandate and dictate how the ego perceives itself and acts accordingly. So when I say death, your attachment to your ego 
it's morphing and changing. And you have this mechanism that doesn't allow it to morph easily. Because if that's the, the way we would have no order, you would be, you'd be like a sheet in the wind, just changing back and forth. So we, I think we're built in with these neurological pathways to cement our ideas and our egos. <clears throat> and, and literally, I feel like when you, when, because you did the same, I studied engineering as well. And <clears throat> the protocol that they take you through, it's, it's so hardcore proving through your calculuses and then jumping into your physics and then looking at reality, your Newtonian reality through these parameters. And then they keep on building. It's beautiful. Like I went, you know, I went through a Christian Bible school and then I went through university school and wait, you, know, you went to Christian Bible school. Oh yeah. What was that like? It was every summer for for a month, and we would have to read the whole Bible throughout the year. Um, it was a lot of work. You have to oh, so it was essentially Bible study every day, to a certain degree. Yeah, like you have you have to learn your your scripture, like what happened in Samuel, you know, what happened in Genesis. Then once you go past the Old Testament, you get into the New Testament, and this. And the stories of Jesus, you know, and how different those were. So, yeah, you got you had to know the Bible very well. And then we had other works or other writings by our prophet that we had to study those and interpret those with the Bible. So it was it was a mixture of both. And you'll see that within each Christian segment, they all have their writers and some of them will attain, you know, supernatural powers and will do certain mystical things that deems them as the true interpreter of the truth. And when I started studying other religions inside of Christianity, I'm like, oh, it follows kind of like the same curve as mine. That's nuts. I've seen this playbook before. Oh, that's sorry. That's, that's red. That's red. <laughs> but seeing the curve and then seeing the same speech at, after, after you study a, a few different ones, you're like, you guys are all saying the same thing, but changing your accent and pretending like you're something else. <laughs> 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 like there was this joke in Spanish about like you talk with an American accent and all of a sudden you knew English. Yo Cario Taco Bell. Oh that yeah, he, he knows English. <laughs> But how would he know if you don't know any English? <laughs> <laughs> he just wants a taco, man. He's hungry. But I just want to add that going through my story about growing up in an ethnocentric um, environment, I was, I was, and I still have all these beautiful feelings towards it. And my call to action is not so much for you to leave your blue behind but to grab your blue and move with it to orange for you to take all the beautiful and wonderful things that, you know, your scriptures teach you and your morals teach you and your, your love for discipline teach you and your self-sacrificing teaches you to apply that into your own self, into your own self-discipline, into your own way of developing and evolving yourself here on earth. Because a lot of the pitfalls that I saw was that, you could suppress yourself and you could, you could be a martyr because your gift was in the afterworld. 
in the afterlife. You'll, you'll get your jewels and your salvation after your salvation. And that, that could have a, a feel of complacency and lethargy if you're in any of these systems. So by self-developing, by listening to our podcast, by looking at ways of how to improve yourself, you automatically start looking into realms of the orange, into realms of self-improvement, into, into what, in, in ways that you can start helping the environment and one another. And once again, nobody is absolutely blue. That's a fallacy. Nobody's absolutely orange. Everybody falls within those two. But my call to arms is that if you find yourself in a place of us against them, we have the truth and, and they don't, consider that you might be in one of these realms that is not that's leaving you stuck from evolving. And consider that there is no right or wrong. And this might be blasphemy for a lot of people that are listening with, with within the blue. But consider that by you helping yourself evolve at individualistic, you're going to enrich your life. You're going to see things beyond the limitations of that indoctrination. And <clears throat> because you evolve beyond it, it's not going to make you a murderer. It's not going to make you go cheat on your wife. It's not going to make you do all these things that, oh, I don't have the fear of God within me. I'm going to become this, you know, inhibited caveman that's going to rape women. You know, it doesn't work that way. I truly believe that everything that you've evolved and you've grown with, you keep with you and you take it with you. Don't do the mistake of shutting it away and going buck wild and ignoring all the beautiful things that you learn if you're in blue. So for more information, we're going to put in a couple of links that, you know, the books um, and the websites that we have found that have helped us a, much, a lot. Uh, there's a, there's also a lot of really awesome videos online if you want to learn more about spiral dynamics. And if you have any questions or concerns, or if you hated this, uh, this podcast, and if you have ideas of how we could have made it better, or if we were a hundred percent wrong and you have ways to explain to us how to make it right, we would love to hear from you because we're here about learning. It's all about learning, not about proving you right or proving us wrong. It's about community. So we would love to hear from you. We had a great output for our last spiral dynamic video. And we, we would hope to get some of that audience, you know, chatting with us and letting us know what you really think about our episode if we're, we really screwed up or <laughs> if we did pretty good. So um, for more information, you know, you could always find us at www.theemotionalcompass.com. We got a Instagram page and we love your feedback. So um, we're so honored to be in a position to be sharing these ideas and thoughts with you out there. Um, it gives us meaning. It makes us feel good about being able to give back. And it keeps us extremely motivated at realizing how often we're wrong. So we love you. We can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, we're the Emotional Compass.